Radio Maria people, my name is Mariam and welcome to the seventh episode of Sacred Music Spotlight. The piece of the week this week is Vivaldi's D Major Gloria. We're listening to the recording by the King's College Choir and the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields. Normally at this point I would say, this piece was composed at such and such date, but we don't know when this Gloria was composed. People think it's in between 1713 and 1717. The Gloria is a part of the Mass. You'll have heard the text as part of Birds and Bruckner's Masses if you listen to episodes 4 and 5 about them. was Gloria in Excelsis Deo, the first movement of Vivaldi's Gloria. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. I think it's time to give a bit of backstory. Vivaldi was resident composer and violin teacher at the Ospedale della Pieta, which was a convent, orphanage and music school. And it was a girls' school. The orchestras were all women, the choirs were all women, there must have been some women who can reach really low notes because this Gloria is written for SATB choir and three soloists, soprano one, soprano two and alto. The fact that the soloists are all upper voices supports the fact that this is for a women's chorus. What's even more interesting is that the girls had to hide themselves when they sung in the church to protect them from noblemen and travellers and to keep them sheltered from the corruption of the world outside the orphanage. So people would have walked into this church and heard singing from heaven almost. The singing would come from the upper galleries in the church. Let's listen to Et in Terra Pax Hominibus. It's a reflective and poignant movement. 
Perhaps it conveys an intention to find peace in a world where it's hard to find. That these girls have to be protected shows that their lives were not peaceful. There's some really dissonant harmony which results from this. Let's have a listen.
That was Et in Terra Pax Hominibus from Vivaldi's Gloria. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. And remember, if you have any questions, comments or requests, I'd love to hear from you. You can text the Radio Maria England phone number at 07502 385010. That is 07502 385010. And start your message with to Mariam so that we know that it's about Sacred Music Spotlight. The Gloria text is a part of the Mass and the text is Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The two movements that we have heard previously are the Gloria in Excelsis Deo, which is the glory to God in the highest, and Et in Terra Pax is the on and on earth peace to people of good will. So coming up next is the Laudamus Te, which is We Praise You. Those of you with perfect pitch will have noticed that this D major Gloria is not in D major. Well, it is, but it isn't. Because of Baroque pitch, it's generally believed that in Baroque times, the pitches of note names were lower than they are now. It obviously varied from town to town. Oscillators hadn't been invented yet, so people had no idea what exact frequency they were playing their notes at. But generally, people these days think it was flatter. Our current standard for the A that orchestras tune to is 440 hertz, but in the Baroque period, it was lower than that, sometimes at 415, 422, ranging even to in the 300s. And by the way, it is still going up, and that is a term called pitch inflation, that our sense of pitch is always getting sharper. But... The, this Vivaldi Gloria is in Baroque pitch, so it's flatter. It sounds almost a semitone flatter. It sounds like it's in D flat instead of D. The key of D major actually has a bit of significance, which I will mention after we listen to the Laudamus Te. <laughs> Thank you. 
that was Lauda Muste, the third movement of Vivaldi's Gloria. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. So I talked earlier about D major. Was there a reason that this Gloria was written in D major? I don't know for sure, but we can make a relatively good guess if we look at instrument making at the time. More specifically, trumpets. The trumpets in the Baroque period were not the same trumpet as the ones you see today. Today's trumpets turned up in the Romantic period, so the 19th century-ish. And today's trumpets have valves. The trumpets in the Baroque period didn't. It's nitty-gritty trumpet time. Let's look at today's trumpet first. The way that a trumpet works is that it has valves which make seven combinations. These change the length of the tube that the trumpet player blows the air through and so therefore changes the note which comes out of the trumpet. I'm going to refrain from explaining the physics about that because who knows what tangents I'd go off on. On one valve combo, the trumpet player has to vary their embouchure, basically meaning the way that you put your mouth against the instrument, to get different pitches from the harmonic series. This will basically end up being the major scale of the bottom note. But because there are the other six valve combos, every note is sorted. That's how trumpets can play every note ever on their instrument today. But trumpets in the Baroque period were different. They had no valves, no valve combos, they only had one major scale. So that means that they generally be manufactured in one key, and that one key was D major. So if a Baroque composer wanted to have trumpets in their piece, it most likely had to be in D major. So if a Baroque composer wanted to have a piece that sounds triumphant, it most likely had to be in D major. So Vivaldi's Gloria, which is triumphant and exulting, is in D major. D major was a kind of key of victory in the Baroque period because of that. So if you ever come across a Baroque piece that's in D major, then you'll know that one bit more about it. The next movement is very cool. It has a contrast of two textures i.e. the layering of the voices is completely different in the two parts of the next movement. The first part, Gratias Agimus Tibi, is completely homorhythmic. The English text is saying, we thank you. Perhaps this homophonic statement of the text makes the text more emphatic, and it sounds like the public really mean what they're saying. Then the Propter Maniam Gloriam comes in right afterwards. It's got a fugal texture. This means that the same theme is passed around between every part. The texture is polyphonic, which means everyone's singing different things at the same time. This can sometimes make the music seem a bit confusing, but maybe that's the point. Maybe it's to show the overwhelming nature of God's great glory. The text Propter Maniam Gloriam means because of your great glory. So perhaps Vivaldi is using this fugal texture to give us the impression of the massive nature of God's great glory, similar to how in Bach's Magnificat, Bach uses a fugal texture in the movement Omnes Generationes to show 
that every generation is praising, is calling Mary blessed. Let's have a listen. That was Gratias Agimus TV and Propter Maniam Gloriam from Vivaldi's Gloria. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. I think it's fun fact time. Here's some fun facts about Antonio Vivaldi. Vivaldi's birthday was on the 4th of March, so not too long ago. An earthquake shook Venice on the day of Vivaldi's birth, so he was quick to be baptised. Vivaldi suffered from tightness in the chest, which was a sort of severe asthma, which inhibited his speech and made him weak and dizzy when he spoke. When the glory was rediscovered, Alfredo Casella loved it so much that he organised Vivaldi Week. And Vivaldi was a violinist, so it makes sense why The Four Seasons has a very important solo violin part and why Vivaldi wrote so many violin concertos. Let's listen to Domine Deus, which is for solo soprano. The oboe has a big role in this one. It plays the melody of the music at the beginning, at the end, and in between the soprano's bits. Similar to if if you were listening to my Bach St. Matthew Passion episode, the role of the solo violin in Erbarmadich. And the melodic material in the oboe is in the Vivaldi Domino Deus is similar to that of the soprano's melodic material. Let's have a listen.
that was Domine Deus from Vivaldi's Gloria. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. And remember, if you have any questions, comments or requests, I'd love to hear from you. You can text the Radio Maria England phone number at 07502385010. That is 07502385010. And start your message with to Mariam so we know that it's about Sacred Music Spotlight. This Gloria is in the genre of a cantata mass. A cantata mass is a hybrid form of a cantata and a mass. It's taken from the text of a mass and is kind of treated like a cantata in that it has text sung by full choir as well as soloists. Next up is Domine Fili, which starts with two vocal lines, alto and bass. Then the same music is sung by the other two voices, soprano and tenor. Then everybody's in singing imitative music. Look out for the strings dotted motif. It goes through most of the movement. That was Domine Fili from Vivaldi's Gloria. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. Now you might be thinking, Vivaldi is famous for the Four Seasons and he's a violinist. What's he doing writing a piece of sacred music? Well, Vivaldi had a very deep faith. In fact, Vivaldi was a priest. In fact, 
he was often called Il Preto Rosso, meaning the Red Priest, because of his auburn hair. Vivaldi took up the post in the Ospedale della Pieta quite soon after he was ordained. Vivaldi was ordained in 1703 when he was 25 and he started training when he was 15. Due to his illness of the tightness of his chest, Vivaldi had to step down from saying mass. This doesn't sound like an easy thing to do. After training to be ordained for 10 years, your lung problems mean that you can't express your love of God as you want to. It must have been devastating for him. Perhaps Vivaldi's Gloria and other sacred works can be seen as him expressing his love and fear and worship of God because he couldn't say Mass. This adds a whole new layer to the Gloria and you can hear Vivaldi pouring his heart into this music. The incredibly triumphant Gloria, the despairing, mysterious Et in Terra Pax, the joyful Laudamus Te, the exciting Propter Magnum Gloriam. We can consider this Gloria Vivaldi's raw reaction and expression of the Gloria text. The Dominus Deus which follows has some nice sonority contrasts. There's a solo alto section which is accompanied by keyboard and solo cello. However, sometimes this is in direct contrast to the full choir coming in, which is mirrored in the orchestral sonorities, going from just solo cello and piano to full orchestra with all the cellos. Let's hear it.
that was Dominus Deus Agnus Dei from Vivaldi's Gloria. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. And remember, if you have any comments, requests or questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can text the Radio Maria England phone number at 07502385010. That is 07502385010. The next movement is Quitolis Peccata Mundi, which is for the orchestra and the choir, no soloists here. And Vivaldi here is using the low range of the bass instruments and it gives this, you can feel the vibrations happening and it adds this extra layer to the text. The text here is saying, you take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. And the the lower range of the instruments here is getting across this sense of fear of that prayers might not be received. And then sushi pay, sushi pay is repeated and it's ascending in the soprano line and it creates this feeling of rising tension and yearning and it shows that the people desperately want their prayers to be received. It's a very poignant piece and it doesn't have any fancy fugal textures it is just everybody's singing at almost the same time. Sometimes the soprano line will break off by themselves. Sometimes people have slightly different rhythms. But sometimes simple is best. And Vivaldi shows that very effectively in this movement. That was Dominus Deus, um, Agnus Dei from Vivaldi's Gloria. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. 
Next up is the Quisedes, another alto solo with a repeated rhythm that goes on throughout mo almost the whole movement. It's a da-da-da-da-da-da-da rhythm. There's a repeated motif which has this rhythm, which is first heard in octaves in all the strings, which goes da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It comes back when the alto isn't singing or is singing slow notes. This bit of the text that the Quisedes is looking at says, you are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. So it's some very fitting word painting when the first thing the soloist sings is a downwards interval when talking about sitting. However, this music has quite fast rhythms and enough syncopated notes or notes against the beat to convey a feeling of restlessness. You don't sit restlessly, but this conveys the feelings of the text. They are begging for Jesus to have mercy upon them. You don't beg for Jesus to have mercy upon you while sipping a cup of tea and warming your feet up at the fireplace. And it's this masterful contrast between word painting and expressing emotions that makes this Gloria so powerful. Let's have a listen. That was Qui Sedes from Vivaldi's Gloria. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. I'm going to play the last two movements to close the show, but before that, let's talk about the Gloria 
and what we can take from it. So what can we learn from this Gloria? Well, firstly, the text. The text is glorifying God. It's shouting God's praise for the whole world to hear it. There's an interesting parallel which we can draw between the Gloria and its situation and a particular piece of scripture. And this piece of scripture is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Long story short, the Pharisee is practicing his faith while making it known to everyone so that people see him as a better man while the tax collector is doing it in private and the tax collector's faith has so much meaning and is more way more genuine than the pharisee's faith now comparing this to the gloria vivaldi wrote this gloria for a girls choir who had to keep themselves hidden from people and vivaldi couldn't say mass as a priest like he wanted to because of his asthma. And this compares them to the tax collector. This makes this expression of faith coming from Vivaldi and these singers and these orchestral musicians so much more powerful. It adds a feeling of giving everyone a voice which they can use to worship. And this feeling of worship being genuine like the tax collector, instead of it being fake or just to show off, like the Pharisees. And with that, let's listen to the last two movements, Quoniam tu solo sanctus and cum sancto spiritu. What I like about the Quoniam tu solo sanctus is that it'll sound familiar to you. The material is reused from the opening of the Gloria, the Gloria in Excelsis Deo, which Bach, Bach did a similar thing in his Magnificat. And actually, some people say that Bach was inspired by Vivaldi, so maybe it was a borrowing in that sense. But having music from the beginning of a multi-movement work quoted at the end of a multi-movement work adds this feeling of the work being cyclical, of the work being never-ending, of the work being timeless. And so in this case when we're talking about a work which exalts God, it's almost as if we never stop. We never stop praising God. It happens all the time because of things that we see in the earth and that we should always be thankful to God for what he's given us. And so in that way, it's a great way to, to end the Gloria on in an optimistic fashion. And the Cum Sancto Spiritu is so uplifting. I love it so much.
that was Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. Next week, we are staying in Italy, but we're travelling a teensy bit back in time to look at the Vespers, written by a composer who bridged the Renaissance and Baroque periods. That is Monteverdi's Vespers. Join me next week. <laughs>